Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So now we do come to the time in our service in which we uh, honor God's word as we stand and, and we hear the word of God. Today our scripture comes from Psalm 95, um, verses 1 through 7. This is Psalms 95, 1 through 7. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, we do pray for your goodness, your mercy. Lord, we give you praise and thanksgiving for who you are and what you've done. So may we adore you and worship you this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One of my favorite comedians is a guy by the name of Bill Ingvall. I imagine some of you are Bill Ingvall fans as well. He's most known for uh, Here's Your Sign, um, which is his idea that we should just give signs to people who do stupid things, and that way we know not to rely on them. Um, I was going to not bring that up at all, but since Reuben brought up Games of Thrones, right, we might as well just dig right into it, right? Um, that, that we all, we, we have, so that's his most famous bit, is Here's Your Sign. Um, But he also had this other bit called, Now That's Awesome. And his point was that we throw around the word awesome, um, and we we lose the the meaning of that word, that what is really something that that leaves us in awe or wonder. And so I was thinking about, like, when is it that I'm left in awe and wonder? Um, as As a kid, I got to go watch Michael Jordan play basketball one time, and I was just left in awe and wonder. Uh, When I was in college, I got to play with this musician. I played the guitar um, okay, um, but I got to be on this worship team with a guy by the name of Kyle Dillingham, who plays the violin or the fiddle, um, just better than anybody I've been around. And I was just in awe and wondered, how in the world is that possible? Um, I think about as a, as a dad, uh, the, the miracle of, of Heather giving birth to our children, the miracle of life just left me in awe and wonder. And then there are times like yesterday and last Saturday, when I was outside and I saw the sunset in the Oklahoma sky, and I was left in awe and wonder. Some big things, and then it seems like some little things that happen. And it's so often, I was talking with somebody after the the first service, and he he came up to me, and he was talking about how one day he got into work, and um, there was this... uh, uh, there was this welder that worked there, big guy, big hands is what he said, and he was standing outside. And this guy didn't say much, and, and he was looking towards the east, and, and, and he said, isn't it amazing what our God has done this morning? And the person at the early service said, I didn't even pay attention. I was so busy with my head down 
that I missed the beauty and the splendor of a perfect sunrise. And we can do that as well. We can miss the beauty. We can miss the goodness. We can miss the awesomeness of God. And we miss it even when we, we come in to, to worship. We, we sing songs and, and we just sort of move on, right? So today we sang this great hymn of the faith, How Great Thou Art. Um, if you've been to church for a while, you've probably heard that at some time. You may not have heard it with bells. I like to do things a little bit different sometimes because it just helps us to pay attention in a different way. But so often with a hymn or with songs we know, then, then we can be like, um, Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do today? When I in awesome wonder, wonder what I'm going to have for dinner. <laughs> Consider all hamburgers? Yeah, maybe. The world's I hands have made. Hamburgers sound good. I see the stars and fries. I hear the rolling thunder. Is it supposed to rain? <laughs> Thy power throughout the universe displayed. All right, so I need to go to the store and get hamburgers, french fries, ketchup, cheese, pickles. Then sings my soul. Whoa, they're singing with their soul. <laughs> my Savior God to thee. I wish they weren't. <laughs> how great thou art. Art. How great thou art. I haven't thought about art for years. <laughs> then sings my soul. I wonder what art's doing today. Let me look him up on Facebook. My Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Art's dead. <laughs> Two years ago. Mm. How great thou art. He was a good man. We do this, right? How great thou art. And we, we lose the awe and wonder and we get stuck in the mundane. And I think the psalmist here is trying to remind us to orient ourselves up. Instead of looking so far down and to get so caught up in all the little stuff, he invites us to lift our eyes up. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. I love, I love what we do at Embrace and Play the Bells because it is just a joyful noise that surrounds us. It's not just the words, it's not just the music, it's the spirit that uplifts us. We are making a joyful noise. And it says, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. This is who God is. And we celebrate his goodness and we also celebrate what he has done. Verse 4 says, in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. That, that everything God created, everything he made, that this is part of it. And that so often you and I, we don't even pay attention. You know, we sometimes when we're driving around at this time of year, we can catch the beauty of the fall. And we can notice a tree or two, but so often I miss it. I miss the sunrise, I miss the sunsets, I miss the beauty in the ordinary, I miss the grandeur of God in the relative obscurity of life. And so here the psalmist invites us to reflect, to give gratitude and praise for who God is. And our posture we find in verse 6. Oh come, let us worship and bow down. 
Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And so three times it talks about our posture to God, is that we are to worship, we are to bow down, and let us kneel. That this is what we are to do. When we see the grandeur and the goodness and we reflect on the splendor of God, it should cause us to worship. It should cause us to kneel down. And verse 7 says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And so what we see in our text is that we should be driven to humility, is that we are called to humble ourselves and to elevate God. We, we come before God and we worship, we humble ourselves, and we say we are not worthy. God, you are amazing, and we elevate God. We're not holding him up, but we reflect on his goodness and on his love and on his power, on his majesty. All these words we use in church and we reflect on, we sit in and we soak in it. And so as I was thinking about what do we need to do as I finished the sermon series and, and Advent is one of my favorite times of year, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, I thought, what do we preach on in this week? And I thought, well, it's Thanksgiving, so let me just find a good psalm of Thanksgiving. And this one had it, but as I, I looked a little bit deeper and as I looked at all of Psalm 95, I was challenged because I wanted to just give us a quick little sermon. God is good. Everything's wonderful. But that's not what the text does. And because the Bible matters here, we need to deal with what 7 through 11 has. Because there's a little bit of a turn in the text. In fact, even a different voice altogether. And so I'm going to invite you to restand. If somebody doesn't stand up, it means they're sleeping. All right. So uh, restand if you're able. And we're going to read the last half of this psalm, because again, it, it changes the dynamic. So I'm going to start uh, with verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, and this is the voice of God, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Y'all all stood up. That was good, too, by the way. <laughs> I remember when I was, I think I was like sixth or seventh grade, and there was a, a, a guy who, he fell asleep in class. And so our, the teacher was just like, shh, everybody leave. I won't do that here. But we all left, and then she woke him up, and, you know, he kind of, he, he didn't know what to do. Therefore, today, if you hear his voice, and so what we have to listen to is the voice of God that is calling and that is speaking to us. Now, there's probably a couple of words that, that you probably did not recognize, um, but they're in there. Now, in those days, as, let me give you a little kind of scope of, of the context that, that God was speaking to on behalf of this. And so the Israelites were God's chosen people. They were the ones in the Old Testament that God said, these are my people, I'm going to bless them, and they are going to be a blessing to all nations. Now, they were in slavery in Egypt, and they cried out to God. God heard their cry, and he rescued them. He took on the powers that be at that time, which was Pharaoh, and through the 10 plagues, eventually 
God's people were set free and they were able to, to go and leave Egypt and head towards the, the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, uh, this beautiful place in which they could live and be and experience God's goodness and rest. And so on their way, they went on this journey. And part of that journey was that God split the sea and they were able to walk on dry ground in the middle of the sea. God provided manna from heaven. He provided quail even on occasion. But the people grumbled. And they grumbled and they grumbled. I mean, you know, I've, if you've ever been in a car with kids and they say, are we there yet? And you're like, no, it's only been an hour. Um, right? That, that there's a, a natural grumbling that we all can find ourselves in. And so in this journey, even though God had done incredible things, the people of Israel were at a desperate moment for them because they were in the middle of a wilderness and think more desert than actually like sort of jungle wilderness. They were in the middle of the desert and they didn't know where their water was going to come from. And so they began to, to cry out. They began to yell at Moses, who was their leader. They began to, to curse God. They thought, oh, it would be better if we were back in slavery because then at least we knew where our water was coming from. Yes, God, you provided manna. Yes, you got us out of slavery. Yes, you did all these things. But what good is that if we die of thirst in the middle of nowhere? And so at this place, this was the place that when it came to a head where Moses said, we're going to name this place Maraba, which means testing, and Masa, which means quarreling. That this is a place of testing and fighting. This is a place where we tested God and where we argued with one another. And so if you, you may remember a little bit about this story, about how God set the, the people, um, he told Moses, he said that if you speak to that rock, water will come out. That'd be pretty cool to see. Um, but Moses was so frustrated, he ended up hitting the rock and water came out anyways. And God provided for them even in the midst of that. But what God saw with his people, with the Israelites, is they refused to see all that God had done. And instead, they were so focused on the moment. They, they refused to see everything that God had done in their story as if God would, would split the Red Sea so they'd die on the side of the road. And they let something little become the biggest thing. Now, I don't think this is just something that the Israelites do. I think it's something that people do. And so many of us, and, and one of the ways that I like to think about it, is that we choose to use a microscope as we look at life. Now, I am not a scientist. Probably some of you in here know better than I do. But a, a microscope helps us to see little things bigger. It helps us to look at something small and it makes it bigger than it actually is. Now, that's what we do with life, right? Something will happen, and we take this little thing, and we blow it up to make it a big thing. Now, sometimes there are things that happen in life. They're, they're, they're bigger, they're, they're medium-sized or whatever, but oftentimes we can take little things, and we can make them big things. And, and sometimes we can take little things that have nothing to do with us and make them into giant things. We can take little things that have nothing that we have no control over, no say in, nothing. And we can make it a big, giant thing. This is how often we view life. And this is what the Israelites did. They took a little thing and they made it a big thing. Now, yes, being thirsty is a, is a big thing. You don't want to die of thirst. But in the context of all that God had done, if God had provided all this way, he certainly was going to provide then. And I think that for us, instead of using a microscope, I think what we're called to use is a telescope. 
because a telescope helps us to see big things more clearly. We can look out into the galaxy and we can see these stars who we cannot even fathom the actual size of. It is not possible for us to fathom the size of some of these solar systems and the universe and the galaxy. It is so beyond our comprehension. But the, the telescope can help us see the big things more clearly. And this is what I think worshiping God should do, is it should help us to see the big things of life, the ways that God has moved throughout history. It reminds us of what God is doing. It tells us to, instead of looking down at all of our problems, to look up at God, to look at the beauty in the sunrise and the sunset and know that his mercies are new every morning. And just like the Israelites many, many years ago, we miss the point. We miss the mark. And we harden our hearts towards God and we say, God, if you're not going to give me water now, if you're not going to fix this little thing, then I'm not going to worship you. I'm going to do things my way. I don't think many of us want to be king of the world, but I think almost all of us want to be king of our world. I don't want to be in charge of everybody. I just want my life to go well. But here we harden our hearts to what God might be doing through us and we choose our way and we refuse to live in God's way. Now, one of the the verses in here, verse 11, it says, therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, the the wrath of God sometimes makes us feel a little bit uneasy. What does this mean of, of God's wrath? Now, the best way that I know to explain it is to think about wrath and gravity Now, all of us currently in this room are obeying the laws of gravity. Now, if we decided that um, the laws of gravity don't apply to me and you got on top of this church and you said, gravity doesn't matter. I'm my own king. I'm going to do it my way. And and you just jump off the top of this church. You will feel the impact of gravity harshly. You can't just say it and not experience the consequences of it. To me, and and what one of my seminary professors taught me, is that is the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not God's vindictive nature. It's the consequences for us choosing to live in our world instead of God's world. It's when we say, the the laws don't apply to me, the rules don't apply to me, I'm going to do things my will, my way. We experience gravity when we strike up against the king of the universe. And so the Israelites, and they're not trusting of God, experienced his wrath because they could not enter into his rest. Now, this was a big deal to enter into his rest back then. Imagine you're an Israelite, and you've been a slave, and your your mom and dad were slaves, and your grandma and grandfather were slaves. All you knew was slavery, which was work, 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 work. That was the rhythm And here God is inviting you to say, life is more than work. Life is more than do, do, do. Life is more than go, go, go. That there is an opportunity to rest. Now, as I think about our current world, let me tell you the same things that the Israelites learned long ago. Life is more than work. And it's amazing how easy it is for us to to be so focused on the work, 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 work that we miss the invitation we have for God's rest and goodness. God did not create you to only work. We are created to work, but we're also called to enjoy his rest. I mean, that was part of the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey, a land in which there is rest, 
a land in which people can be with God and experience his goodness. But if we want to be our own kings, we're not going to enter into the rest and the goodness that God would promise, has promised for us. And so part of what we have to do is to live in God's rest means that we follow God through the chaos and into his promised land. Rest is one of God's greatest gifts for people. But yet so often we miss it. But it's what our souls need. And I don't know about you, but there are times in which I, I think about, okay, I'm not going to be able to rest today or tomorrow or, you know, the next day. Or, but on Friday, I'll get to rest. And I was talking with a, a lady after the service, and, and she said you know, she had a particularly busy season. And, and all of a sudden, Saturday, she just took a two-hour nap. She says, I never take a two-hour nap. And uh, I remember the lesson I learned from somebody years ago, that if we don't take Sabbath, if we don't take rest, rest will be forced upon us. And, and, and so often, again, I think for those of us, we aren't enslaved by Pharaoh. We are enslaved by ourselves. We are enslaved by a world that constantly says produce, constantly says go, while God invites us to live an abundant life of rest and goodness. But because we choose to be our own king, we just follow the path of this world. And so what God invites us to and what the psalmist invites us to is to see the world differently. Instead of using a microscope, to use a telescope and to see the big picture and to trust that even though there are things that come up and there will be things that come up, that we don't allow these little things to become big things. And instead, we always have our eyes up. That's why I think weekly worship is really important. It's because it's so easy when we, go, when we go two, three, four, five weeks without this centering and this orienting that we begin to look down and hopefully worship provides us a perspective of looking up and that we can encounter a God who is king and we can be in awe and wonder of what he's done. We have to be reminded of his love, of his power, of his goodness, of his splendor and his glory. He is the king. We are his servants, his subjects, and we rely on him. One of my songs that I particularly enjoy is a hymn called This Is My Father's World. And the third verse of this song really stands out to me. And it's a great reminder to me of just my place. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. So what I want to invite us to, to do is if you have a bell or a noisemaker of some sort, when I get to the part that says, let the heavens ring, I want you to ring that out. Let me read this again. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. We might give you bells in the future. <laughs> it's so easy to get focused on all the little things. It's so easy to get our eyes down. 
so easy to remember that there is wrong in this world and there is tragedy and there is injustice and there are, there's wounds and there's brokenness. But there's so much beauty and splendor and goodness and love and glory. And so as we come together, we, put our, we fix our eyes to God. And as we come to worship, that we should be reminded that the awesomeness of God should lead us to sing, should lead us to worship. And if we're not good singers, to lead us to, to playing bells or clapping or whatever it might be. And to praise God, but it also should lead to a surrender of our heart and of our life. We want God to be the king. He's a good king who loves us and who will take care of you. He will walk with you. He will guide you. You don't have to be the king of your heart or of your own world. Let God do that. That's what he's created for. You and I were made to worship and follow God. You and I were made to be obedient sons and daughters. Part of what it says here in, our, in verse 7, it says, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now, I don't know much about sheep. I've never had sheep. But what people who have sheep tell me is that they are the dumbest animals. If they, if Billing Ball would give them a sign. Because they're not very smart. And throughout scripture, we are compared to sheep. We think we know the way. We think we've got it all figured out. And when there is wrong, we often get so fired up. But though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.